Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I, of course, am your host, Michael Fiddle. And on today's episode, we are stepping away from the basketball court. We are not talking about the NBA playoffs. Instead, we're going to touch on some NFL futures and the NBA draft. For these two things, the lines are posted. And when the lines are posted in a sports gambling context, us handicappers need to view the odds immediately look at the sportsbook as a whole, identify some value, and bet on it while we can. So, first thing I want to say is that these are going to be advice for futures bets. And anytime we're betting futures, I said this in the past, I'll say it again in the future, futures, you have to remember that any amount of money that you bet is going to be tied up in your account for a long time. For NFL futures bets, We are not seeing these payouts until January or February when the regular season ends. For the NBA draft, a little bit quicker. We are not going to see these returns for about five weeks because the NBA draft is June 30th and it is now late May. So, buyer beware. If you tail any of these picks, do not expect an instant return, but I think you can expect a return, which is the main point and the main reason why we need to jump in now and bet them. So let's start with the NBA draft. I've said this on multiple podcasts before, but I'm saying it again now because the lottery has been set and we know the Orlando Magic control the first pick in the draft. And please, please don't listen to NBA Twitter on this one. Jabari Smith is going Number one, he is currently a minus 130 at FanDuel in his odds. That is a joke. It should be around minus 225. It is still a situation where I would bet my max exposure of three units. Because I believe this line is so off, and I will explain why in a second. Because I believe this line is so off, I have exceeded my maximum exposure on this bet. I normally bet at most three units, which equivalents to 3.6% of my bankroll. But in this instance, I've gone all the way up to 5.1 units. The 0.1 is because of the place in which I got the odds. I have 5.1 units on this bet, which is equivalent to about 6% of my overall bankroll. And again, we have to remember that this is going to be tied up for a few weeks. So if I'm tying up 6% of my bankroll, there has to be a good reason why. And the reason is because Jabari Smith is going number one and the odds are very, very, very off. And here's why. There is a big dichotomy right now in the NBA draft circles between scouts and NBA Twitter people. NBA Twitter loves Chet Holmgren. They love the idea of a 7-2 American-born player going to Orlando and joining the already towers that they have down there in Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, and so on and so forth. However, NBA scouts, the people who make these decisions, have locked in on Jabari Smith being the safest pick, perhaps the most talented player, and a can't 
miss prospect. Chet Holmgren has risks. We don't know if his frame will be able to hold up in face of Jokic and Embiid and Giannis. I personally would bet no. <laughs> With Chet, we're looking at a continuous rebuild. As his body develops, you hope the team continues to develop. Jabari Smith can come in and make an impact right away. Also, is anybody watching these NBA playoffs? How can we watch these playoffs and say, let's take a 7-2 player over a 6-10 switchable sniper? Which players have been played off the court in this day and age? Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, Brooke Lopez in spurts was played off the court. And we see the guys like Bobby Portis, Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell's been played off, been replaced by Davis Bertans in Dallas. Let's take note that the guys playing in the most important moments are switchable, versatile, lengthy shooters. Who fits that bill in this draft more than anybody else who has been compared to Orlando's own Rashard Lewis, who has been compared to a baby Kevin Durant? It is Jabari Smith. The odds are currently at minus 130. Hammer this. Please don't pass this up. Why would Chet be the loudest name in NBA Twitter and still have plus odds? It makes no sense. Because the sportsbooks know that if they put Jabari at plus odds, they would get hammered by the Sharps and really open up some ex risky, risky exposure. Instead, they would rather open up some plus money exposure on Chet, have the public come in thinking, oh my god, I definitely think this guy's going number one and I can get it at plus 155 or plus 140 or wherever the line sits right now. It is a sucker bet. It is cheap money entering the marketplace. The fear would be to put Jabari at plus 110 and watch massive bets come in. Instead, the big bets are still coming in on Jabari minus 130 and all those small public money, all those Orlando Magic fans are coming in on Chet plus 155, which I really, really think does not win and I will bite my tongue in five weeks if I am wrong. However, the reason to go max exposure on this is not because you're convinced in an 18 or 19-year-old prospect entering the NBA draft and what the scouts are going to do on draft night. You have to understand the way the market is going to move. As Jabari gets understood as a better and better prospect, and as NBA Twitter turns their attention to maybe Jabari Smith is the number one pick, his odds are going to drop dramatically and Chets are going to rise. I suspect on draft night, we are looking at a situation where Jabari is about a minus 450 as the first pick and Chet is like a plus 375. Now, in that instance, I already have five units on nearly even odds on Jabari. 
that I could put a few shekels on Chet and cover my hedge and still open up like a three-unit profit if Jabari goes one and a zero-unit loss if Chet goes one instead of Jabari. If you read the odds, Paolo Bancaro is the other sleeper in this draft. He's the consensus third pick. If you watch the odds, his odds have dropped dramatically, dramatically since the lottery, which is a huge, huge indication that Bancaro is actually not in the running for first pick. Bancaro is probably going to slot in at third, except maybe two, given what the Thunder can do and have historically done with their picks, being a little bit secretive and a little bit roll the dice. So right now, the only odds that are listed are first pick. So that's the only bet that I'm going to talk about today. As more bets come available for the NBA draft, talking about player placement, Paolo Bancaro top five is something I absolutely love because I think he goes as high as two and no chance lower than four. Absolutely no chance the Kings wouldn't take Bancaro if they had the chance because they are already too guard heavy in their young guys and invested in Sabonis as their big guy. Bancaro is their Harrison Barnes replacement that they really, really want. Potentially even look for the Kings to try and trade up to number three with the Houston Rockets if the Rockets don't think Bancaro is the right fit next to Jalen Green and Alperin Sengut. Okay, I hope this all makes sense. If you go to your sportsbook right now and you see Jabari listed as anything under minus 150, lay some juice on it. We will come back. We'll re- we will revisit this in about a month once the, the, the scouts come in and they change the public consensus and we hedge our bet, and we lock in some profit in the NBA draft. If you think back to the NFL draft, which was pretty recently, we had a late switch in the first pick, which might be scaring some people. In the NFL, talent is less important than the NBA. Not saying that talent doesn't win win at the end of the day. It does. But coaching systems matter. Personality matters. Accountability matters a lot more because you're you're one of 53 instead of one of 12. When you're one of 12 um, on the team and one of five on the court instead of one of 53 on the team and one of 12 on the field or one of 11 on the field. 11 guys? Yeah, 11 guys on the field. Seattle's the 12th man is the fan. So if you're one of 11 on the field, you have less of an impact than if there's one of five. In basketball, star players have an exceedingly large impact. This is why teams tank. And when you get a can't-miss prospect at the top, you don't pass up on them. So Jabari Smith is going number one. And now that I just talked about football, let's take a quick break and segue this over to some NFL futures. The first thing to consider when jumping into a new NFL season is always what's changed in the big picture of the NFL. Every year, there are a few things that change that seem to have a minimal impact, but might have a very large impact on the betting splits. So, let's go back in time and talk about them, and then we'll project forward into this year's trends. Two years ago, in the COVID season, when there was no fans, the trend going into the season was, If there are going to be no fans, there's going to be no noise, there's going to be better communication 
there is going to be less penalties, less delay of games. The product on the field is going to be tailor-made for a TV audience, which doesn't want to see a lot of holding calls. There's going to be less trouble with the communication between coaches and quarterbacks. There's going to be less penalties on the field. There's going to be, like I said, less holding calls. That was a dramatic, dramatic reduction in holding calls during the during the no-fan season. And the result was a lot more movement of the ball, a lot more scoring, and overs hitting at a historic rate in the NFL. I remember going into that season thinking, we are going to be smashing overs. We learned that from the NBA bubble with the most historic scoring in an NBA setting because there was no fans in the background. There was no, everyone's eyes were clear that you could see the ball go through the hoop. Um, the bubble showed us in the NBA that when there are no fans, scoring numbers go up dramatically because of on-field stuff and because the, the product becomes tailor-made for television, which wants a faster product, which wants to be less impacted by the fans. When you see a penalty, like a delay of game or a holding or a miscommunication on the field, the announcers can talk about it and can rile it up and talk about the fan impact in the game. The Seattle 12th man, like I've like everyone knows about. And those things actually filter into the TV product. But when you take out the fans, you also have to take out those elements. And certainly the officials did. And certainly I was aware of that before going into the NFL season two years ago. And we slammed overs. Now, let's go back to last season. Fans come back. Simple change. Let's market correct back to the under. And that's exactly, exactly what I did. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. Fans were back in the stands. Holding calls went back to their pre-COVID rates. Passing yards went back to their pre-COVID rates. Total yards went back to their pre-COVID rates. And scoring went back to their pre-COVID rates. So while everyone was thinking, wow, the ball moved so much last year, we've actually reached a new clip in the NFL where teams just really know how to space the field and move the ball, was market corrected back to, actually, fans do have an impact on the game. We should take the under because the game hasn't changed that much in these two years where we've actually spent less time on the field than we would have liked to. So, what's the play for this year? What's changed in the NFL? And what are the big picture things that we need to look at? For me, I really think I have identified it. It is sleep. Our favorite thing to do, rest in bed. This year in the NFL season, there are 95 games that have a rest disadvantage for one of the teams. That is up from a previous five season average of 48 of those games. So we are like doubling our amount of rest disadvantage games for teams. Um, the reason for doing this is because the NFL is prioritizing matchups and primetime games over rest. Previously, they had tried to even the field for teams playing each other with buys and rest situations. Right now, the NFL is going all in to getting the best games that they can get on TV in their primetime spots every single week. The reason for doing this is because next year, 
the TV package rights change, and they are reselling their rights to CBS, to Fox, to NBC, to Amazon, to all of their sponsors, and it is no longer going to be a AFC is on CBS and the NFC is on Fox. It is going to be a pay-for-your-games package. And now they are prioritizing matchups so that next year they could pay, make people pay a lot more for these packages of games. There's also some speculation that because Brady's coming back to the booth and he's going to be on Fox and Fox calls NFC games, they want to mix it up a little bit so they get Brady calling a Patriots AFC game. I think that's a little too conspiracy theorist for me. I like to follow the money, as you know, in bets. I always look at the money splits. And so when you follow the money, it says the most things. So I think it's about securing the biggest TV contract for next season, the biggest streaming contract for next season, making the salary cap go up. I think that's the reason why a lot of these teams have been signing players to these massive deals and not worrying about the cap. Because I think the cap is going to explode in three years that these deals on the back end are actually going to look cheap and not like balloons. If you think about this in an NBA context, because I'm an NBA guy, I relate everything back to the the association, my favorite, my home. It's like when Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors and there was that TV balloon of money coming in so everyone had max contract rights. This is the time in the NFL where everyone's got the ability to hand out a max contract because it's not going to hamper them too much down the road because the money coming into the TV is going to make a huge difference. And the way that that's playing out now is rest disadvantage in the 2022 schedule. Please rewind and replay that. We need to hammer that home. There are 95 games this season where one team is at a rest disadvantage. So let's go through some of those situations and identify some betting spots. I think I've already talked about the New York Jets. The New York Jets play four teams who have a mini or are coming off a mini buy. That means that they play on the th- short week Thursday, they don't play that Sunday, and then they play the following Sunday. So they have 10 days of rest before they play the New York Jets. And even more so than a bye week, statistics show that the mini buy actually has the biggest effect on gambling odds because the players don't go on vacation. They go in the, the, the facility, they work out, they get their treatments, they have 10 days, they're actually more rested, they're not traveling, they're more prepared. So those 10 days are actually the most effective 10 days of preparation, even more so than the full week buy and you even get 14 days. The 10-day mini buy is the most impactful rest situation for betting and the Jets go against four of them this year. Normally teams get one and only one. The Jets have four of them on top of already playing against the Patriots twice, the Bills twice, and the spending money Dolphins twice. This is not a good situation for the Jets. Let's take their under five and a half wins at plus odds. If this line does move to six wins because there's money coming in, if we get this at six wins at like a minus 110 instead of five and a half at plus 135, that is a hammer the Jets under six situation. Ultimately, I don't think we're going to get there because I think the the books are aware of exactly how I'm thinking. Okay, next. We talked about the New York Jets. Let's talk about the... We'll stay in the AFC and we'll talk about the 
Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers are coming into this season with an over-under of seven and a half wins. They have Mike Tomlin, who is known for never having coached a team with a losing record. So now the odds makers are projecting Tomlin to have his first losing record ever. Do I believe it? Yes. I am on the under seven and a half for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback and Kenny Pickens. Now, when you have two young quarterbacks like this, a very, very young offensive line, having gotten rid of Smith-Schuster and some other weapons, they have a great running back in Najee Harris and a stout defense, but ultimately really hard division against Bengals, Ravens, and Browns. The other quarterbacks in that division are Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson. Like, absolute insanity. This is going to be a really, really, really tough division for the Steelers to win some games. They will steal a division game or two like they always do because they play those teams close. But ultimately, I think if we're getting the Steelers at 7.5, I honestly think they should be closer to 5.5 or 6. So we're really getting two wins on the Tomlin factor. And I'll take the under, even though I so strongly believe in coaching in the NFL. That's a bit too much to attribute two wins to a coach. So give me the under on the Steelers at minus 120. I bet 1.2 units to win one. Last AFC team I'm on are the Indianapolis Colts. I got them at over nine and a half wins at even odds plus 100 but the line has since moved to minus 130 given the state of what the Colts are doing, having signed Stefan Gilmore and bringing in some pieces and also seeing what the Titans are doing, having drafted a potential replacement quarterback and traded their best wide receiver. So some questionable moves in Tennessee and some win now moves in Indianapolis. So the line has shifted. So we are on the Colts over nine and a half. It's at minus 130, and honestly, I still like it. I am such a strong believer in the Colts this season. They have one of the easier schedules in the NFL. They have decent rest splits, and they have a very weak division with the Texans there, the Jaguars there, and the Titans. So feel free to back the Colts, even though this is not as good as odds as we've seen. I still like them where they sit right now and think they might even change more in our favor as we get closer to the NFL season, because I think the Colts will probably be looking to bring in one or two more offensive receiver weapons. Going to the NFC, I have two NFC bets to add to my current futures tickets. The first one is the Arizona Cardinals under eight and a half wins. It's at minus 120, and I bet 1.2 units to win one over on DraftKings. Now, this is a situation where I really wish it was at 9, similar to where I wish the Jets was at 6 instead of 5.5. I wish the Cardinals was at 9 instead of 8.5. If this line does move to 9, it is a slam it and bet maximum exposure. Of course, the maximum exposure you're willing to bet, that might change. It might not be 3 units or 3.6% like mine, because you have to remember that you're tying this up until January or February, potentially. So bet whatever your max exposure is if we get Cardinals under nine or Jets under six. The Cardinals have the 24th hardest schedule in the NFL. 
and one of the worst teams with rest disadvantage. And they play in another country. And their bye also lines up with the post-bye of their opponent. So they don't even have a rest advantage going into their bye. They will be on 14 days rest playing an opponent with also 14 days rest. They have one game with a rest advantage and four with a disadvantage and a very hard schedule and a questionable offseason and DeAndre Hopkins suspended. Like I said, if we get this at nine and minus more juice, I'd hammer it. At 8.5, it's a big difference because you don't push on the nine, but I still like it. So 1.2 units on Cardinals under eight and a half. The last football future I'm taking is the Dallas Cowboys as the NFC East winner at plus 130. One unit to win 1.3 over on DraftKings. Yes, the Cowboys are the most talented team in the NFC East. However, as I often talk about, NFL is not the sport to bank on talent. So let's dig a little bit deeper. My favorite thing to bet on the NFL is stability and familiarity, at least in the regular season. The Eagles, the other team in their division, have a very young team with a lot of new components, a second-year head coach. The Giants have a new coaching staff and a new GM. The Washington Commanders have a new team name, (laughs) a new quarterback. And meanwhile, Dallas returns all the cornerstones of their team. Next, let's look at schedule. They have a top five rest advantage situation. The Cowboys play six games with a rest advantage and only one at a rest disadvantage. This is something I think will be very important. They have the 10th easiest schedule in the NFL. And while that sounds nice, we look to their potentially largest division rival this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, having the second easiest schedule. But we have to consider the rest disadvantage. Like I said, The Philadelphia Eagles play four road games at a rest disadvantage. That's humongous. Half of the Eagles games while they're traveling on the road, they're also having another day or two less to prepare than their opponent. So not only do they have to travel and lose time, they also don't get as much time to prepare. So you can have the second easiest schedule all you want. That is a tough break to be dealt I'd rather have the 10th easiest schedule and six games at a rest advantage and only one at a disadvantage. So, I said I was on the Eagles at 40 to 1, and I might be looking to cash off of this. That's why. That is the main reason why. Uh, I think we are a year or two early from seeing this team fly, Eagles fly. All right, that wraps up my NFL bets and my NBA draft bets. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, to follow me on Twitter at AdvantagePod underscore SE. The SE stands for Sports Ethos, because this is a Sports Ethos podcast presentation. And join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel so you get access to all of my bets. All of these bets are already posted in there, and they were posted right away when I placed them. Now I am able to record and publish and produce And obviously, some of the odds have changed. So if you want to make sure you can get the odds exactly at the time that I can get them, join that Discord. It's also an awesome community with a lot of other great handicappers in other sports that I do not cover. There are some people doing baseball who are absolutely crushing. The guy who does tennis is amazing. So it's a very profitable page, and it's definitely worth the bang for your buck. Thank you for listening. 
and I will talk to you guys soon. Go Celtics.